Hello and welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Today's episode is entitled, Protect Yourself. <laughs> now, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Earlier, Michael Glenn walked past my Where office and said, protect yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and, and I, well, maybe. Yeah, close. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A, a great Zach Galifianakis quote, yes, right? Yes, yes. Remember what movie that was? Mm. Probably one we shouldn't be talking Probably, about. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I saw a YouTube clip, I think. Was, uh, That's the safe from... pastor way to say yeah. that, isn't it? I, someone sent me a YouTube clip. Yes. I never saw yes. the movie. Yes, I got a meme, uh, a meme from somebody. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk Hangover, about protect, we, you know, lightly funny, protect yourself. Yeah. But the truth is, we want to talk about what are some of the practical things that we need to do as pastors to protect ourselves. that we have several different areas that we want to jump into on this. Yes. Uh, the first one is we were having our mid-afternoon snack uh, that we talked about <laughs> was uh, we, we talked right a little... after nap time. Yeah. <laughs> right. We talked about immorality. Yeah. Let, let's just jump well, on that one. Let's so, start big. Yeah. Let's, let's not easy Go big anything. or go home. Just, yeah, right into the immorality issue. So what are the things that we need to do to protect ourselves from a morality standpoint? I, I'll jump in and say from sexual sin. I remember yeah. this is, let me say for all of our global audience, just a reminder that we are, <laughs> we are not attempting to dive into God's Word to the level that seminary professors would and true up or... There's other podcasts yeah, for that. There's, no, <laughs> we're just talking about the basics of what yes. we've experienced and what do we do. Yes, so and, our friends listening in India, they will appreciate that. Yes, and also to say that we are not above these problems ourselves. Oh, uh, no. I am chief among sinners and am working on my sanctification daily. Because when you start to think that way, that's exactly when you get into trouble, that you're beyond these temptations or opportunities. One of the things, Ronnie, that I remember hearing a story, I forget where I heard it from, but it was about Billy Graham. Oh, and yes. Billy Graham, when he traveled, mm -hmm. right, every hotel he ever went into, they, yes. he required that they take the TV out of the room. Now, yeah. I say every, and we use these words like all the time. Okay, yeah. maybe some of that's lore. Yeah. But for sure, he had a reputation of having hotels take TVs out of rooms. Right. And that was just a self-preservation thing. Yeah, which was hard because there were consoles back then. So Yeah, <laughs> they were big corner console wood TVs. Yeah, it's a big bulb. Yeah, our engineer, Drew, probably doesn't even know what a console TV they haven't is. haven't always been flat, Drew. He thought PS4 yeah. or Xbox when you said console. Yeah, yeah he, and he also had someone go into the hotel room in front of him to check all the closets and bathrooms because... Occasionally, somebody would be hiding in there, jumping out with a photographer, no trying to take a picture, which actually happened to a friend of mine. His dad was a pastor, and one time went to visit a lady, and there was a guy hiding with a camera. Fortunately, he was wise enough not to go into the single lady's house. Okay. And, uh, so, yeah. I mean, even crazy extreme stuff like that, you've got to well, watch you, out for. So, you bring up an important thing. Let's, yeah. let's, we can actually talk about Joseph a little bit. Yeah. 
right? Sure. The Bible Joseph. Yeah, Bible Joseph. Right. We can talk about him in just a minute. Not Joseph. The, the thing with Billy Graham, though, that really stuck with me that's become applicable in my life has been that when I travel, I always have a 10 o'clock phone call with an accountability person. Yes. There are people that I do the same for. And so it only makes sense that, you know, through the years with guys that I've become close to, that uh, whenever they have traveled, they have called me. So when I travel, I call them. And it's really just yeah. a. It's a, it's a sometimes a quick phone call, but it is essentially: Are you in the hotel? Yeah. yeah. Right. Have you been drinking? Mm. Are you watching things you shouldn't be watching? Yeah. And I'm please hear me. I'm not saying that I have or a drinking problem. Yeah. But we know that when we do things, it doesn't take too much to get off course. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, because it's not. I mean, if possible, take your spouse with you or another person with you. But that's not always possible. Sometimes you're out there all alone, and that's very dangerous time. And time to be aware. Well, and, and for me personally, I think you even preached on this recently or made a note towards it, and that is when you have your great victories, your great defeats sometimes are right next door. The battles and the blessings. Right. Simultaneous. Yes. And so like me doing conference speaking and things like that, going on the road by myself, and those are mountaintop experiences. Yes. I mean, I, those are so enjoyable, so honoring, so humbling to get to go in front of a group of people and speak. Yeah. But I am so leery of falling into a temptation or a sin yeah. that I really have to have. I'm a regimented kind of person, so I've got to yes. know that I've got that 10 o'clock call out there. Yeah. So it just keeps me anchored, well, if that makes sense. And same thing for me when I would do stand-up in nightclubs. I would always make sure that... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of worked that little conference speaker in there. So, no, but I do have a friend that he actually takes a large size picture of his family and he sets it right beside the television in the hotel room if he's going to be alone. Yeah. Still the phone call and all that, but even just right there in the moment, just to think, okay, doing this is going to damage my family, which, you know, is a little quirky, but whatever it takes, man, just to make sure you're not going to step across that line, do that, figure that out. Well, in point of clarification, just since you threw me under the bus on conference <laughs> speaking, uh, when, uh, when I speak at conferences, know. usually, you know, conferences, in my opinion, is any group over 10 people that oh, are together. Okay. You know, that is a, right. if they fit in a conference room, then yeah. that's a conference to me. Yeah, so the waiting room at Jiffy Lube, that's Could uh, be. all that counts. Could yeah. be, if I have their rapt attention. Christopher's new book's coming out this <laughs> Jiffy August. Lube Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now we talked okay. about Joseph a few minutes ago. Yes. Let's go ahead and talk about why did we bring that story up? Why does that hit home here? Well, I mean, it's a classic story of temptation and doing the right thing. Doing the right thing doesn't exempt you from being tempted. And he was in a situation where this Potiphar's wife wanted him really badly and grabbed him. And, you know, he ran away, left his coat of many colors behind and uh, <laughs> still got busted was- for it. Was he really wearing the coat of many colors at that moment? It was a little small at that point, but uh, yeah, you know, it was still, it was more of a vest. Am am I remembering it incorrectly in that story? Does it say that they were alone in the house? Basically, I think it alludes to that, yes. She sent all the servants out. There you go. So it was just Joseph in the house, and she wanted to sleep with him, and he refused. And she grabbed him. He just left his coat behind and just jumped out and ran away. But she had his coat, so she accused him, and so... Potiphar believed that he, his wife was telling him the truth. At least it seems he what he did and had him thrown in jail. Okay, so how do we apply that today? What are some of the simple things that pastors 
need to be aware of. And again, a lot of you listening to this are going to go, oh, come on, guys, are you really talking about this? <laughs> but let's be reminded there are some people that perhaps have never been taught some of these safeguards. So yeah. it's worth talking about. Yeah, I think, you know, like that's a situation that was planned. So she had planned for this all to happen. And that does happen. And we hear it time and time again. And putting all the safeguards in, you know, pastor counseling a woman. You know, one policy I have, I'll counsel a woman one time. After that, I'm handing her off to a licensed counselor or another female. I'll never do it in a room that's not visible, accessible. I typically try to have another person in the room unless it's just really super sensitive. Okay, so like in your office, your office has, yes, a, window, has a window and your assistant is outside she, uh, she sitting knows there. The, the appointment's there. She knows the person's in. Again, sometimes I'll invite my assistant in to sit in, but again, sometimes it's sensitive right. and it can't do that. But I mean, be smart because there are people that want to trap you in that. There are women or men who want to put themselves in that situation because in ministry, there is a power connection. There's a fantasy world involved in this of somebody that, especially if they're hurting and you've shown kindness to them, right? it may not be, you know, planned intentionally, but because of the emotion of the moment, all of a sudden something happens and there's a connection made and this person becomes infatuated with you. Right. And so, man, it's just very dangerous. So don't think that that's beyond the realm of possibility. Now, and I know a lot of people listening to this, a lot of pastors out there, they're going to know Ronnie Marriott and go, well, he is a Ryan Reynolds, good-looking kind of guy. <laughs> well, so this you. must happen to him all yeah, the time. Yeah, but right. the truth is, this type of thing has nothing to do with a person's looks. No. When people are going through grief, when they're going through really difficult Especially. times and no one is paying attention to them and, and we pastorally pay attention to them, sometimes it can be misconstrued and you just have to really protect yourself. Even on, I've experienced things on a Sunday morning where, yeah. you know, it's just, it gets on, you're, someone asks for prayer and then there's, you know, a hug and it just doesn't feel quite comfortable. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, talk about hugging, you know, okay. So <laughs> being a pastor, you know, many times people would come up to the front after a service response time and I had a tendency, I didn't realize it till my wife pointed it out, that when a woman would come out up to the front, a little distraught, telling me the situation, asked for prayer, my tendency was to put an arm around her and kind of rub her back, you know, which I did, it was just kind of subconscious and yeah. Robin said, you know, you probably should Just like you would your child. Yeah, yeah, just trying to console. And she said, you probably shouldn't be moving your hand up and down this lady's back. It looks weird. Again, perception. Nothing ill-intended. She wasn't... Almost sounds kinda, vice presidential. Kinda. Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, this is, you shouldn't do that. So, And we talk about full frontal hugs versus side hugs. Right, always side hugs. Yeah, side hugs. You know, it's just, it's just you got to be smart because, again, it could be totally innocent, but what somebody sees is what they're going to relate to. So you talked about, really, the, the entry was on protecting yourself in close proximity and relationship with the opposite sex has yeah. to do with someone that might want to engage in a relationship that you can't engage in, but right. there's another element of it, which is to be above reproach. Yes. People clearly don't want a relationship. That still doesn't mean right. oh, that yeah. you, you can't abide by some basic rules. Like yeah. when I'm downstairs in the office and sometimes, not, not often, but sometimes I'll work late and then I'll look up and lights are going off mm -hmm. and I go out of my office and I, there's another person here still yeah. and it happens to be a woman. Yeah. That is, oh, yeah. that's checkout time for me. It's right. time for me to leave the building. Well, and just they drive by and your car and her car is the only two left in the parking lot, right? And so we have a policy here Didn't too. Didn't even think of that. Yeah, even a policy of, you know, a, a man should not ride in a car with a woman that's not his spouse or daughter. 
Right. right? So even just going, hey, we're all going to lunch together. Well, why don't you hop in the car with me? Nope. Don't do that. And, you know, you just texting. Right. Should never just text a female. You know, for my case, a female should always include CC or whatever, my wife or another female, another person. So it's never just a one-on-one between male and female texting. It's just it's just little things you think, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, but it's just one little small step, and it just it usually starts small. Affairs, yeah. uh, all that starts with little small innocent steps, but just builds and builds and builds. Protect yourself. Yeah, it start at the beginning. Just don't think you're beyond the realm of. Well, you know, in. and it gets it it gets to some pretty you know minutiae levels. I remember, and I hate to use the same church twice. I think we mentioned them in our last podcast, but at Saddleback Church, it even in their yeah. employee handbook, it said that you could not ride an elevator on the church campus. <laughs> with a person of the opposite sex yeah. if it was the only you two in the elevator. Yes. Yeah. And that someone may go, come on, that is too much. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I would just ask, if you're in ministry, you have devoted your life yeah. to sharing the gospel and ministering to people. Yeah. At what, lef- at what depth, I'm sorry, yeah. do you go to to protect that? Yeah. And this seems like overkill maybe, yeah. but it's really not. You just have to be above reproach in all these things. Well, and there's this whole spiritual realm that deals with all this. And so this this warfare that we're in, you know, the enemy can use all kinds of scenarios to trip you up. I mean, how many pastors have we heard about or know that ended up in an affair with a woman they started to counsel, you know, or going through a divorce or trying to talk them well, out of divorce? You know, just those kind of things. And it's just, you got to be careful. You and I both could rattle off yes. names right now of that exact scenario. Yes. People that we know, that the audience would know, that's exactly what happened. Right, yeah. So, so we won't do Or that. even pastors, and it's, it's just, it's crazy to me to fathom how yeah. someone gets to that point where a pastor is a senior pastor of a church, yeah. is married, and says something ludicrous like, well, you know, God has yeah. said it's time for me to leave her and marry, yeah. uh, you know, oh, this yeah. other person at the church, yes. the same church. Yeah. I mean, just there's weird stuff out there. Well, I remember as a student pastor, you know, that was a deal. So often after an event, the student minister is left there with one student waiting for the parent to come pick him up. And yeah. to me, if it's a female, you don't ever wait. Just even sitting in the parking lot on the curb, you know, totally yeah. innocent. Somebody drives by, sees you. And now, because of our world and our culture, it's even ill-advised to do that if it's just a boy, another, yeah. another guy. You know, the same kind of scenario. So I think that applies even in those kind of counseling situations. If you... If you can avoid it at, at all costs, have another person in there with you. I agree with you. And, you know, I, I know a student pastor whose ministry was taken away from him, you know, forever. He, he had went back into the corporate world, really, in disgrace because he was accused of wrongdoing. And I know for a fact that was not the case. It yeah. did not happen. Yeah. But the accusation was there. <laughs> you know, the, the he social said, media... Said took that off to a point where he just couldn't find a spot in church. Yeah. Anyway, that yeah. we're we're talking about the sexual immorality side of thing being above approach, but there's several other areas to get into. Yes. How about uh financially? Let's talk about mm. that for a minute. Okay. Yeah, you know, most people go into ministry knowing I'm not going to make tons of money doing that, which that's honorable, but it also can create some situations where people get desperate and ministers find themselves mm. in desperate situations. So, you know, there's a little bit of money left out or a little bit of petty cash here, there. And, you know, it's like, it's so easy to work the numbers a little bit. Just, well, no, but it's only a few bucks, but I can feed my family tonight. Those kind of situations. Hopefully churches 
take care of their ministers to a point that that's not a concern. I had a friend one time that was, their family had a bunch of, they were young family, young kids, having trouble making ends meet. He was actually in line to get food stamps. And another church member happened to be in the building and saw him and said, no, we're not going to have any of our ministers needing food stamps. So that was, that was great. But this minister didn't have the wherewithal to go and to whoever the leadership was and say, you know, my family's struggling a little bit here. So I think just that openness to be able to do that, but financially being careful, being good stewards, but also the temptation of money at the church. Okay. People hand you money, say, Hey, would you mind putting this $20 in the offering plate or in the box? I missed the plate. Right. No, <laughs> I'd rather not, especially if it's cash. I mean, checks a little different. Right. But any, any kind of thing to do with money, you know, I, I've known pastors that they were the ones that took, at least back in the old day, the, the bank bag. After offerings, you put it the money and checks in a bank bag and go deposit it in the overnight deposit mm-hmm. at the bank. Pastors don't do that. Ministers right. don't do that. They're church members, usually not just one, to go and do that kind of stuff for you. So financial accountability. I don't ever want to be responsible for a nickel <laughs> that wasn't mine. Right. So I, I agree with you 100%. And it seems, again, pedantic, but that you have, uh, we have men's breakfast. Men's breakfast, we take cash donations to cover the cost of men's breakfast. Yes. And uh, it could be 200 or $300 on a on, on, on a breakfast, yeah. right? It's all cash. It all gets handed to me. Well, I, no, 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 we, we, we can't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. So here is a bag. Yeah. I need you to put the money into a bag. And then I would really like you to go drop that bag into our financial drop box yes. that's inside of our church. Yes, we established that for those very reasons and make it easier the, for people. The last the thing you ever want to see happen, you never want someone, even you have the greatest intentions in the world, Yeah. but for someone to see someone else hand you cash that you then put into your coat jacket or your pocket, that is just... You're waiting for something really, really bad to happen. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, and we know a very famous pastor that took advantage of church credit cards, was gifted a nice financial gift, but then went beyond that thinking, you know, the church owes me this. Right. Hey, I, I don't get paid a lot for what I do, but I'm 24-7. They, they owe me this money. You know, that's just bad thinking. It is. And, uh, you know, we, we have credit cards here at the church. Yes. Yet one of the measures that we go through is that I look at the charges mm-hmm. of all the credit cards. Yeah. You know, if you have a whole bunch of credit card charges, yeah. I'm going to be looking at them yeah. occasionally just to make sure, yeah. just to protect you. And then we have another guy on staff who looks at mine yeah. to make sure. Yeah, that's a big debate. You know, credit church credit cards, no church credit cards. But with accountability. Well, I, I think it's ludicrous. Managed. The bigger the church is, the more sophisticated the ministries become. Right. And uh, in the corporate world, I would never ask my employees to front yeah. cash money yeah. for business expenses. Right. So it doesn't make any sense on the church side either. Yeah. But you've got to be stringent in your policies and you got to have accountability and someone has Somebody to be watching. Checking, yes. Right. Just going back, since I mentioned corporate on the immorality thing, yeah. back in my corporate days, People thought I was really crazy because when I had, I was in sales and I led a team. And when I had people to go to lunch with or a dinner after yeah. work with, it was just commonplace that these law, these not laws, but these guidelines we use in the church don't apply to the corporate side. Yeah. And I just want to say, yes, they do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And so when I had a C-suite person, a woman that I was trying to talk to about products and services that we had, and we scheduled a dinner, 
totally appropriate to schedule a dinner. Yeah. I would always find out. I'd always make sure that someone else in her company would come to that. Yeah. Or I'd bring someone else from my company, but never even Starbucks. Yeah. Any of that kind of stuff. I just yeah. I just want corporate people to hearing this to know these same standards can apply in the in the corporate world as well. Definitely. Definitely. All right, let's talk about family. Okay. How do you... Yours uh, or mine? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about your family. Uh, no, family in general. How do you protect your family? I'll, let me open it with a question. It's wonderful that we have a church family, and I love the church. Yeah. Yet sometimes our children mm. can become victims of church. Yes. Right? And I don't mean from the people that love and care and support them, but there yeah. are sometimes in the church mean statements, yeah. <laughs> expectations that are put on them that are unrealized, and then there is passive-aggressive behavior. Mm. I remember witnessing yeah. that with your own children before yeah. I had my own. Yeah, That's how much older you are yeah. than wow. I. No, no, he is not. <laughs> we just waited longer to have children. Yeah, that's the, and that's a difficult part in ministry, and you try to protect even making those statements as a pastor, I've made those statements from the pulpit for in regards to Robin, my wife, and my kids. But you know, you can't eliminate all that with people saying mean things, and especially if someone gets upset with you. It's easy for them to take it out on your children, mm. even staff members that may get upset with you. You know, I've had that experience before of of being a little harsh on your own on your kids. So really, the to me, the preventative medicine is to talk to your kids. You know, and, and as a husband and wife, kind of talk about what that's like and how do we deal when that happens and possibility of why it might happen. But because you want, especially your kids, you don't want them growing up hating church and hating church people because of something somebody said or even said to them about you. You know, people, again, especially the, the mm. wife of a minister gets the brunt of a lot of the criticism with the person, very passive aggressive, hoping that your spouse will tell you what they said and that'll make a difference. So it's just recognize it happens, even in churches. And then, so how do we respond? What are some one-liners you can come back with when someone says something negative? So part of it is teaching your children, equipping them to handle these difficult situations and not becoming crushed by them. Yeah. Churches right? are filled with broken people. They're going to do hurtful things, dumb things, say things. But, you know, what's what's the ultimate focus and how do we how do we cope with that? And I think part of it also, at least for me, is helping my kids understand there is no expectation that yes. they are the perfect church child. Yes. That they attend everything that happens and yeah. they participate in everything and that they're always ready with a verse in their heart to speak to people and, you know, let them be themselves. Yeah. And I know several men, pastors, that truly were married to the church rather than to their family. Yeah. And so we're missing ball games and different events and recitals because of a church meeting right. or... You know, like, come on, man, you can reschedule meetings. So that's the perfect next segment here. Yeah. Next part is we talked about protecting our kids, but how do you manage the time? We could be at church stuff 24-7 yeah. nearly. Yes. Right? So how do you? How did you do that? How did, what, what, what boundaries did you place? Well, you know, when I would come— Or did you? Did you fail at that? No. I, 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 I was really focused on it because I'd seen some really bad examples. And so I made it very clear to whenever I would— come on staff at a new church that, hey, I'm going to be a dad to my kids. I'm going to be t-ball coach, basketball coach. I'm going to be there for recitals. And and so and I think they appreciate that. I mean, I, 
most churches want their ministers to be family-oriented people. But then the other side, they have they schedule all these meetings and things. Right. Honestly, one of the things that helps is you don't have 32 committees. So narrowing down the, the whole leadership model actually comes into play to this because you're not expected to be at 32 meetings every month. Right. And even if you are expected, it's okay to set that boundary. You know, I don't need to be at the parlor committee meeting where right. you talk about flower arrangements. So it's just, it's really understanding that balance, but making it very clear, my family's got to come first before this. God first, my family, then the church, and understanding that role. And I found most churches are very accepting of that. And that's pretty easy to say, though. I mean, if I'm not doing my, if, if I'm not going above and beyond and doing everything I can for the church, then I don't have a job, right? It's, I mean, it's, it, we can't cavalierly say that, because there's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. One of the things that I've done is I've established a boundary for the church and for my family. I've told my family yeah. that I will I am committing one night a week away from you, whether that is a Sunday night service or that's a Wednesday night committee meeting or a Thursday night trustee meeting, but one night a week yeah. I will be gone and I let everyone else at the church know you you get one I've got one <laughs> slot. That's it. Yeah. Now, there's exceptions to the rule in crisis, but oh, sure. I mean, for the most part, over the last 20 years, I think I've been pretty hard on that, Yeah. and it's been good for my family and also good for the church to help prioritize the stuff that we need to be at. Yeah, and honestly, sometimes it falls on the pastor being poor at time management, you know, and just thinking, hey, I've got to be at everything. I've got to be at every meeting, and, and it's just, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Well, can I thump a nose with a newspaper for just a minute? For Please. any pastor out there that thinks they have to be at everything and attend every single meeting, you're probably not leading very well. You have control issues. <laughs> well, con control issues, narcissism, I mean... FOMO. You could, ha <laughs> could have FOMO. That's yes. fear of missing out for you over 40. Yes. All right. Hey, let's pause real quick. Let's go into our go, no go Good. segment for the day. And we had talked earlier, you had yeah. a, you had a go for the day, I think. I did have a go, but I'm going to switch to the no go. Oh. Because we do a lot of goes and I feel like being negative for a well, I don't want to be too negative as mine's a no go also. Oh, it is? It is. But please, what's your oh, no go? Well, let me, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. You go to your no, no, no go. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 go, no, go, go. Go to the no go. go. no, 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 no. Yeah, the Free Guy movie with Ryan Reynolds. Who I love Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. I've not love heard him. of that. Love him very much. Well, thanks, Ronnie. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> I see you just made you force me into that. It was terrible. I do a better Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, it was just kind of better a weird. Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for golf. That was. It's just kind of a weird movie. I just didn't. I like Ryan Reynolds. He's funny. It was. You know, I don't remember much about the movie. Kind of like I think I fell asleep. Through part of it, didn't Some that movie have like something it. about gaming? Yeah, it was just kind of like he was uh, all, all that's the big why video it doesn't, game. didn't connect to yeah, you. That's the man who's never played a video if game in if his life. If it's not Atari, I don't really understand. Ah, uh, the Atari twenty six hundred. Yeah, but I just thought it was kind of Pong. a weird movie. You know, great concept, but just poorly done. Whatever. That's a that's a, don't go see that one. Okay, I, well, teach his own. I think we watched it and enjoyed it. But oh, okay, hey, I've got a no go. And this one, I really need your input on because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd. step on a whole bunch of toes right now. Big nerd. And so, uh, if we have to re-record this segment, Drew, let me know. Who bring it on? I'm gonna say the no go for me. Don't cost us any sponsors. Is Dak no. Prescott. Oh, ooh. I, guys, I'm so sorry. Wow. And and here's the thing. Mm. This is my premise. Mm. Dak Prescott, 
I feel in where he's at in his career today. Yeah. Is a middle of the pack quarterback yeah. and not a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. There you go. That's my no go. Yeah. I still hope that the Cowboys win a playoff game this year. Yeah. But I am not so sure that's going to happen. Well, I've been a Cowboy fan all my life. Right. I was born a Cowboy fan. I was born silver and blue, but that was a lack of oxygen thing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other story. But I took it as a sign. And I, I have to agree with you. I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. I'm hoping he's a one-playoff win quarterback. It just, you know, he has moments of greatness, followed there by are. a lot of shakiness. So, it's, But I know, like the guy. He's a great guy. Great guy. Great leader. Love his and, commercials. Yeah, yeah, for athletes. No, I mean, he, he, in so many ways, he's what you want on yeah. the field. The thing that just, in look, to, to nitpick a professional athlete yes. uh, that we cannot do anything no, that no, he no. can do even as a middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback. Yeah. Although I think you had a career as a tight end in the NFL uh, if you wanted uh, it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's it's just the inaccuracy of throws. And then when oh. you see things like, yeah. I, I, look, the greatest of all time, you see Tom Brady, yeah. even in his old age with a walker out there, is still... Yeah. Still... <laughs> You know, connecting, right? Yeah. Um, With Inflate Gate, and, and, all and that then stuff. there's there's so many young guys like Huntley at the at the Ravens that yeah. just man, he's doing great. Yeah. There's some really strong talent out there. I was hoping yeah. that Dak would be the guy. What is his accuracy percentage? He's he's not an accurate quarterback. He never I, really I would, has been. I, I would hate to say I'd have to call someone much so. more okay. knowledgeable in statistics okay. than I. Okay. But so I love the Cowboys. Yes. Go Cowboys. I, I'm a big Cowboys fan, and I don't live and die on the Cowboys, but it does hurt a little bit when they lose. So that that must yes. mean I'm a fan, right? Yes. yes. Okay. It's not like watching a Tom Brady at the end. He's behind. You've got confidence. Oh. This is over, you know. You so. know what it's kind of like watching the Cowboys? And this is going to hurt a lot of people out wow. there. I'm so sorry. You know what it's kind of like? Rough. It's kind of like being a fan of my alma mater, mm. Baylor Bears, right? Yeah. When Lots Baylor wins a game – you're kind of surprised. Yeah. And when they lose a game, it's like, yeah, hey, they were, they played it. Yeah. They were in the game. Yeah. You know, they were invited to the dance. That's awesome. Yes. Now, that being said, I will say that, you know, Baylor currently has three sports in the top 10 in the nation. So uh, I don't know any, there's not another school in America that can say that, honestly. Hey, this is rare. We have a caller. Uh, go, Jerry Jones. Hello. <laughs> Good day to you. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a Crazy Pastor story to share or you would like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.